welcome back for another video. I hope you're doing really well. Um, I hope today's video is really interesting for you because I'm excited to film it. So, <laughs> this isn't necessarily um, a like, true, true crime in the sense that nothing really bad happened. Um, it's more just a case of fake identity and it ended really strangely. So this is a story about a woman by the name of Ida Wood and she was an American socialite who in 1907 she checked herself into the Herald Square Hotel in New York she literally didn't leave her hotel room for 24 years. So, the story can be said to start in 1857 when Ida was 19 years old. Um, she came to New York with this huge excitement and passion for carving her own way in the world and she was just really excited to start a new adventure for herself and begin a new life. Um, she was really dedicated to finding a husband who she could share her life with and, more importantly for her, could give her a life that she really thought she deserved. Now, when Ida got to New York, she very quickly heard about a man by the name of Benjamin Wood. Now, Benjamin Wood was a very prominent and very well-known man at the time um, because he was a very important businessman as well as a politician. And he was even the majority interest holder in the New York Daily News newspaper. So he was a big deal and he very quickly caught the eye of Ida Wood. Now, Ida was very interested in meeting this particular gentleman because he was well-known. Um, he was a huge catch in her opinion, but more importantly, he was very well-off. And the way that she decided to get this man's attention was actually kind of funny because... I guess it would be like the equivalent of um, inappropriately like sliding into somebody's DMs by today's standards because she wrote him a handwritten letter that was pretty inappropriate for the time. <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny, so I'm going to read it to you. So May 28th, 1857. Mr. Wood, sir, having heard of you often, I venture to address you from hearing a young lady, one of your former loves, speak of you. She says you are fond of new faces. I fancy that I am new in the city and in affairs decor that I might contract an agreeable intimacy with you of as long duration as you saw fit to have it. I believe that I am not extremely bad-looking, nor disagreeable. Perhaps not quite as handsome as the lady with you at present, but I know a little bit more, 
And there is an old saying, knowledge is power. If you would wish an interview, address a letter, number Broadway, P.O. New York, stating what time we would meet. So in my opinion, this is actually pretty sad because despite being married to a woman by the name of Delia Wood, Benjamin agreed to meet with Ida because he was super fascinated by this curious woman that had written him this letter. (laughs) So upon meeting, um, Ida began to tell Benjamin about herself. Her parents were actually named Henry Mayfields and Anne Mary Crawford. And she said that she came from a very prosperous, really well-respected family. Um, Her father was actually a very wealthy Louisiana sugar planter, and her mother was actually a descendant of the Earls of Crawford, which is one of the most ancient titles in Great Britain. So it was a really big deal, and Ida came from a very... um, like esteemed background. So after their meeting, Benjamin and Ida were completely enthralled with one another and they immediately began dating um, despite being married. So Ida became, I guess, more more appropriately titled his mistress. So Benjamin and Ida didn't actually marry until 10 years after their first meeting, because that was how long it took for Delia to, unfortunately, pass away. Uh, Though they did have a child together in that period, and her name was Emma Wood. So after Delia's death, once they were married, Ida now kind of had the full reign of Benjamin's title open up to her. And with that, she then had access to lots of money, And of course, this fabulous social world where she crossed paths with the rich and the famous. Um, It's said that she danced with the Prince of Wales in 1860 when he visited New York. And Abraham Lincoln was even amongst the circle of people that she met and spent time with. So despite having come to New York and like essentially making her dreams of this successful life with a great husband come true. Um, There's actually something in their relationship, however, that Ida wasn't particularly happy with. So Ida was much more cautious when it came to their money, um, which, remember, they had a lot of. Benjamin, on the other hand, handled money very differently. Um, It said that he was actually really, really reckless when it came to spending because he was a really big gambler. So Benjamin played cards and he didn't just bet on like little piles of money in the middle of the table. He played in games that had really, really high stakes and betted on really, really big ticket items. So during one of these games, he even wagered the daily newspaper and luckily he won that game so he didn't have to hand his business over to his opponent. Um, 
It said that Benjamin even came home one night and he woke Ida up and she awoke and opened her eyes and there was a hundred thousand dollars in cash spread out all over their bed and he wanted her to count it because he was so proud of the winnings that he had won that night. So it was great when Benjamin would win, but it was incredibly stressful for Ida not knowing if one of those days his luck was going to come to an end and with it obviously their accumulation of wealth and their entire safety net and just lifestyle that she had grown so accustomed to because benjamin was completely addicted to gambling ida came up with a plan so she made benjamin give her half of any winnings that he took home saying that he was allowed to continue gambling so long as he paid her her share of his winnings. And she also added that he would have to pay her a fee whenever he lost. <laughs> so she said, I get half of your winnings. And she also added that he had to pay her even though he didn't win anything. This was actually pretty smart of her in my opinion. Um, because she was trying her best just to ensure that they wouldn't be left with nothing at the end of the day because she knew that Benjamin couldn't control himself when it came to their money. So, when Benjamin passed away in 1900, it said that he had absolutely no wealth left to his name. He had literally bet everything away. Um, and anything and everything that he did have left over was now in his wife's name. And this included all of his businesses, as well as the Daily News newspaper, or the Daily Mail newspaper. So Ida actually continued to edit and publish the paper for about a year, because it was something that she enjoyed doing. Um, however... About a year later, she did actually end up selling it, and it said that she sold it for around $300,000, which I'm pretty sure would be around like $9 million or something today. I might be mistaken, but... So this was one smart businesswoman, in my opinion, because despite him having lost everything, um... She made sure to save enough to create a safety blanket, um, and she ended up even making a huge profit off of it, but sadly, Benjamin was no longer around for her to share it with. So, something happened in 1907, and this is where the story starts to take a pretty strange turn. The banker's panic, or the panic of 1907, occurred. So this was a huge financial crisis where the New York Stock Exchange actually dropped by 50%. So this led to just sheer panic um, where tons and tons of people just immediately withdrew all of their money from the banks in fear that those banks would shut down or stop functioning. So people essentially did not 
trust the banks and wanted to get their money out of them as quickly as possible. Um, and it is said that the banker's panic of 1907 probably is what caused Ida to kind of be pushed over the edge. So she had been through just so much stress with her husband's gambling, but of course she had managed to save as much of it as she possibly could and made a huge profit off of it, but here she was again terrified that all of her wealth was going to possibly disappear. So Ida was also one of the people who stormed into her bank and demanded that all of her money be withdrawn. She went into her bank, closed her accounts, and withdrew nearly one million dollars in cash. Now here is where things start to get really weird because Ida took her large bag of cash money, um, she took her daughter Emma, as well as her sister who was named Mary Mayfield, they packed their belongings and moved into a two-bedroom suite in the Herald Square Hotel. So they moved in there one day, and this is where they would literally stay for the next 24 years. Um, they became complete recluses, literally never stepping outside ever again. So I'm actually, like, not kidding. Um, not once in 24 years did the siblings leave this room. Uh, the room, as you can probably imagine, fell into complete shambles. It's said that maids never went into clean because they weren't allowed, and only two or three times in 24 years did Mary or Ida ever pass soiled bedsheets through a teeny tiny little crack in the door to have them cleaned and then through the crack in the door brought them back in. So clean bedsheets three times in 24 years. In terms of like essentials, obviously for survival, um, it was the hotel staff that would pass them groceries every once in a while uh, when requested by one of them. So again, hotel staff would just pass things to eat through a tiny little crack in the door. And it said that they would order things like evaporated milk, coffee, crackers, bacon, eggs, fish, and then on some occasions, Cuban cigars. So up until this point, um, the staff at the hotel really had, you know, no idea who was staying in the room. They definitely thought it was really strange that these women never came out. But at the end of the day, they were paying their hotel bills, so it didn't really matter. Um, they did know that, or they assumed, that Ida and her sister were very old, very poor women because despite ordering groceries and things like that, they never tipped more than a few cents at a time. So the staff actually assumed that Ida was just a very poor, fragile old woman who was just very scared and timid. So one bellhop even said that, um, he assumed that the ladies living there were very old and feeble, 
and just terrified to come outside. So he actually made it a habit to knock on their door every single day just to check in on them and ask them if they needed anything, which I think is actually pretty sweet. So the manager who had been working at the hotel for about seven years, even he said in all that time he had never laid eyes on either of the women. But 8,760 days after Ida had checked them into the hotel, she was now 93 years old. She actually opened the door fully for the first time since arriving there, peeked her head down the hallway, and shouted at some staff who were cleaning. She began yelling for help to the maids, shouting, Maid, come here. My sister is sick. Get a doctor. I think she's going to die. So obviously, the first thing that had to happen was Ida had to let people into the room for the first time in over two decades because her sister had unfortunately passed away. The hotel manager, the hotel doctor, as well as an undertaker arrived and stepped foot into their room. Ida's sister was laying on the couch, deceased, and she was covered in a sheet. I'm sure that the hotel manager was expecting the room to be bad, considering the fact that it had been closed off to the world for so long, but he wasn't expecting it to be in the state that it actually was. So the room was literally covered with years worth of collected newspapers, um, several very large trunks, a makeshift kitchen with they, which they had set up in the bathroom, which is where the ladies had prepared all of their food all over the years since the two-bedroom suite didn't have a kitchen. Um, and there were like hundreds of food boxes, like cracker boxes and cans and just everything like that. The room was literally littered with years worth of trash boxes, um, just an accumulation of things that you obviously can't throw away when you never leave your home. So it probably looked very similar to like an episode of hoarding, to be honest. The doctor that had come into the room actually was stated as saying that the room was so littered with trash um, from years of living in it that he literally couldn't find space to stand on that wasn't covered with garbage. So as they looked around the room, um, they noticed that Ida was extremely emaciated, very fragile. Um, of course, she was, you know, 93 years old, so she wasn't going to look young and strong. Um, but despite her age, they took note of the fact that she really just didn't look very good. However, I thought it was kind of interesting to note that um, despite like her size and everything like that and her hygiene, 
they noted that her skin on her face was still extremely beautiful. And this was because um, even being a recluse, Ida was obsessed with making sure that the skin on her face was still nice and she would slather it every day, all day with petroleum jelly to keep it nice and supple and soft. And her exterior beauty was something that was very, very important to her. So, obviously because um, there had been a death in the room and the circumstances surrounding the room were just really strange, um, the undertaker or the mortician, he called in some lawyers to see if they could maybe come in to help this woman because they didn't really know like what to make of the situation and they didn't really know what the best path would be to help this poor woman who was now all alone. Um, and of course you might be wondering about the daughter, Emma, who had also moved into the hotel with them from the beginning. Um, she had unfortunately passed away some years earlier and I believe she left the hotel room to go to a hospital and obviously Ida nor Mary had gone with her. So when investigators began talking to Ida in the room, um, she clung to this strange story that the hotel staff had already been kind of assuming about her for all of these years. Um, she told them that she was a very poor old lady, that she didn't have anything of value. She was very concerned with keeping her secret fortune a secret. She didn't want anyone to know that she had a lot of money. Probably, obviously, in fear that it would be taken from her. So, a little while passes, and as the mortician is starting to prepare Ida's sister's body to be removed from the room to be taken to the hospital, it's noticed that Ida kind of begins to change her behavior and her story. So all of a sudden, she starts going on about how she used to be this beautiful southern belle and she moved to New York City for a new exciting life and she married Benjamin Wood and was introduced into this incredible, amazing social life and she was this belle of the ball socialite among New York City and everyone in the room just kind of looked at her and kind of felt sorry for her because they all assumed that she was just senile and really had no idea what she was talking about and they just continued to believe her original story that she was just this very poor um, recluse who was terrified of the world but um, they quickly started to notice things around the room that kind of changed their mind a little bit about what she had said. So they started noticing um, just really valuable things, like amongst her 
large trunks and stuff, they started noticing very expensive um, fabrics and silks and linens and clothing. And of course, they started noticing lots of jewelry and just expensive things that a poor old recluse woman probably wouldn't have. Um, she also had $500,000 in cash in $10,000 bills strapped to the inside of her nightgown, which she was wearing at the time. But we'll get back to that in a little bit. So one of the lawyers that had been called down to the room to check out the situation, um, he decided to actually give his father a call because he wanted to get his dad's opinion, who he was also a lawyer. I guess he assumed that maybe there was a little bit more to Ida's story. And um, his dad actually confirmed at least parts of what Ida had said. He said, yes, I even knew Ida. She was married to Benjamin Wood. Um, she was quite wealthy, but that was really all that he could confirm. So what happened next? Um, I find this, I just find this so sad because like I know clearly this woman needed some serious help, but I definitely don't think this was done in the right way. Maybe it was the only way that it could be done back then, but um, it was done in a way that definitely lacked dignity and respect for this woman who was clearly um, not in her right, not in a right state of mind. So it makes me really sad, but the lawyers looking into this case at the time, um, along with the hotel staff, didn't really know what to make of it because she didn't really have any like ID or she wasn't really producing anything to, I guess, prove what she was saying. Um, and they all just continued to assume that she was senile, but she still had money and stuff to pay her bills. So the law firm that had been looking into her, they ended up hiring private detectives to move into the hotel room um, among either side of her room so that there was two detectives kind of keeping watch over her for 24 hours a day. And then eventually, um, somebody claiming to be Ida's nephew named Fernando Wood actually came to the law firm and said, hey, she's my aunt and I want to help her in any way that I can. So the firm decided to take him, as well as his brothers, um, on as clients. And then a little later on, Benjamin Wood, Ida's deceased husband, as well as his children from Benjamin's first marriage, they came forward as well and they started their own case to look into her and her estate. And what happened was that, um, I guess he would have been considered Ida's uh, stepson. 
him and his children decided to declare Ida Wood as incompetent. And I guess, um, as her only, like, living relatives, they were able to do this in the eyes of the law, and she was declared uh, unfit to be able to take care of herself. Um, this is where I really don't agree with what happened, and it makes me sad, because it really sounds like these family members really only came forward because of the headlines that had been going around, um, about the rich recluse living in the hotel. So they obviously only really came forward to try to get a hold of her money and her estate. And because of this, Ida was escorted by health workers out of her room that she had been living in for 20 years, over 20 years, and she was moved into a different room of the hotel on a lower floor, and she was cared for by nursing staff. And as they were escorting Ida out of her safe place or her safe haven, she was said to be just crying. She didn't want to leave. This was not her choice. And she was just shouting things like, why are you doing this? I don't want to leave. I can take care of myself. And after they removed Ida from her room, investigators went in and they examined the room on an even deeper level. And they just kept finding more and more valuables and cash that she had stowed away and hidden. So they found... $247,200 in cash. They found Ida's $500,000 in $100,000 bills. She had wrapped that money up in a cloth and hidden it up in her dress. And a nurse had actually snuck into her room while she was sleeping and retrieved it, which is just terrible. They found millions of dollars worth of just luxury, exquisite items. So she had jewelry, um, these beautiful, exquisite gowns that were worth thousands of dollars. She had diamond necklaces, tiaras, crowns, expensive watches, rare gems. She even had a handwritten letter from Charles Dickens, which had been written to her husband while he was still alive. So I think it's safe to say that despite having locked herself away for so long, she was super suspicious that at any point in time somebody could come along and take away what she considered to be the only important thing left in her life. Like, money was the only thing that she had. And what makes it so sad is that this is exactly what happened. Like, her worst nightmare actually came true because she had everything taken away from her. Investigators took all of her precious belongings and they placed it into storage vaults. And basically, they just 
sat around and waited for her to pass away. Now, she was cared for by nurses in the same hotel. Um, it was just in a different room. And it said that Ida would change her behavior kind of on a daily basis or really frequently. So some days, Ida would look out the window at all of the reporters because her story had spread all over New York and further and people wanted to come and get a look at the rich recluse living in the Herald Hotel and she would bang on the windows and ask for help and say that she was being held prisoner while on other days it said that she would be very friendly and confide in the nurses and tell them all about her childhood and she would go into great de detail about her upbringing and how she came from the Mayfield family and had this incredible, educated, privileged life. And what ended up happening was that people who were actually related to the Mayfield family or who were descendants of the Mayfields actually started coming forward and were ready to claim their inheritance from this poor woman who had been deemed incompetent, um, even though they had never met her, and they weren't actually descendants. So they were just looking for money, obviously. And it said that over 400 people came forward claiming to be relatives of Ida, and were willing to help her and take over her estate. And um, being in her mid-90s, Ida was unable to actually read the letters and stuff that they had written. So the nurses would read them to her. And she would always say, no, I don't know them. They're not related to me. And this is where it just gets like so much more sad because it was only a year after... Mary Mayfield passed away, her sister, that Ida also passed away. So, Ida ended up passing away on March 12th, 1932, in the same hotel, just in a different room. And this was only one year after her sister had passed away. So, it wasn't until her death that the truth about who Ida Wood actually was, was finally revealed. It turns out that Ida wasn't a Mayfield at all. Um, she claimed to be, but she was actually the daughter of very poor Irish immigrants. And Ida had claimed that her mother was this highly educated woman who descended from basically royalty, and her father was a rich sugar planter, um, but neither of those things were true. Her mother barely had any education, and her father was not a prominent Louisiana farmer, as she had claimed. Ida wasn't even her real name. Um, her real name was Ellen Walsh, and she had simply started calling herself by the last name of Mayfield when she was little because she liked the sound of it more than Walsh. 
Um, and to go with her new last name, she made up this elaborate backstory of her life. Even Emma Wood, the daughter that I'd had with Benjamin, wasn't really their daughter. It was actually Ida's younger sister. And Benjamin obviously knew this, and he never gave away the secret, and he claimed Emma Wood to be his own daughter for all the time that they were married. So, he loved her so much that he never divulged any of her secrets. But I do have to wonder if um, he knew about who she actually was. I couldn't actually find any information about that. I have a feeling that he probably did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. Not exactly, like, true crime, true crime, like I said in the beginning. But, um, it's kind of more of a like, bizarre case in history. So I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, I will be back again soon with another true crime. Okay, thank you so much for watching. Bye!